4: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on
0: television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
4: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get
3: your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. It's
5: go time here on the Clay and Buck Show, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate your time, and we have a lot to discuss. Uh, the situation in Ukraine, we'll talk about at bottom of the hour, a 370-foot Russian landing ship uh, reportedly blown up by a Ukrainian missile. And there's also on the front page of the Wall Street Journal an assessment from NATO about how many Russian troops have been lost. This conflict is uh, really escalating. We'll have Bridge Colby, formerly of the Pentagon under Trump, to talk to us about that. Senator Marsha Blackburn, who had, I think, the single most memorable and now viral moment of questioning of uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, the Supreme Court nominee. She'll be joining us during the uh, second hour of the program. And then because of New York City's change in the vaccine mandate situation, which we're going to dive into here with Clay in a moment, touches on the sports world a lot, too. Uh, Our buddy Joe Borelli, the city councilman from Staten Island, the sage of Staten Island, as I call him, is a great guy. He'll be joining us third hour talking about NYC and how not just New York City, but also the Biden regime is trying to message and position with the end of the COVID vaccine and mask mandates for now. Remember, it is always temporary. And with that in mind, wanted to start off with, Ten airline CEOs, ten airline CEOs have written a letter to Joe Biden specifically citing the drop in cases and the different period of time now with regard to the uh, the covid situation and how there needs to be an end in April 18th, I think, is when it expires. The interstate travel-based vaccine, I'm sorry, mask mandate for interstate travel. So Amtrak, planes, you name it, 10 airline CEOs are coming out to say, have written this and signed their names to, this letter to the Biden regime. Clay, they're saying, look, we're in a different place now. They had, I mean, there's just some fascinating parts of this. They had over 6,000 unruly passenger incidents last year, over 70% of those are mask issues, meaning yes. passengers who get agitated about this. And I just want to put out there, there are two aspects of this policy that have always just shown us how stupid it is. One is, it is not a mask-up policy. It is officially, and you hear this when the announcement comes out, a mask up between bites policy. There's zero science to justify this. And then there's the filtration systems on the plane. Do you think... The Biden administration will finally take its hand off the throat, off the face of the American people when it comes to flying.
3: Well, so let's break this down for everybody. Remember, this was set to expire on March the 18th, and then the Biden administration extended it for at least another month. So it goes till April 18th now and. I think a lot of the CEOs from the airlines remember the Southwest uh, CEO and the American airline CEO under oath in Congress testified that their uh, filtration systems rendered it far safer to be on an airplane, for instance, than almost anywhere else that you could be. And I think this is significant, Buck, because I just want to run through the, the 10 different airline CEOs, Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, Atlas Air Worldwide, Delta, FedEx, obviously FedEx has I think more planes than anybody in the world uh, for the package deliveries, Hawaiian Airlines, JetBlue Airways, Southwest Airlines, United, uh, UPS, and then someone from Airlines for America. So this is about as extensive. If you fly on a, a domestic air travel in the United States, the CEO of your airline probably that you are flying most frequently came out and said, this is a mindless, it doesn't make any sense. They wrote a direct letter uh, to uh, Biden, and they laid out the fact that the data, I mean, again, I know the Democrats claim to be the party of science, but they have all different sorts of protocols, and they basically just laid out all the data out of why they are completely unnecessary Uh, as it pertains to mask mandates going forward. Now, here's the question, Buck. Will Joe Biden, uh, as we get prepared for this April 18th date, because he already extended it for a month on March 18th, will this have impact? Because I'll tell you this, when we wrote about it at OutKick, the site traffic on this is monumentally massive because lots of places, frankly, aren't going to cover this, right? This should be, to me, you tell me if you think I'm wrong on this, I don't understand how this isn't front page news. If you're just being honest about what news is for the New York Times, for the Washington Post, I don't know how it's not being covered by CNN and MSNBC to get 10 airline CEOs to all write a letter to the president laying out why there's no basis whatsoever to justify a mask mandate. And here's the other thing I would say. I'd call on these CEOs to rescind all of the bans of the people that were banned over mask mandates uh, because look you talked about 70% of them uh, of the of the airline issues you know buck you travel it's high stress a lot of times you got a kid with you you're worried about making your flight you're probably trying to get somewhere on time and then a flight attendant comes by and is sort of constantly chirping at you about make sure your mask is above your nose and you can moron. see you can see why people uh, every now and then chirp back, and then those conversations accelerate where both sides get angry, right? I mean, is easy also, to see how this happens. Yeah,
5: this is also how you knew that Fauci was a fraud very early on because to say that masks keep you safe on a plane where the air is cleaner than effectively the anywhere else when it comes systems, to viruses yes. because of the systems they have on the plane, no one disputes that science, let's be clear. Yeah, no one right. says that the airline CEOs don't know what they're talking about when it comes to the air filtration systems on their planes. So that's not in dispute. But beyond that, as I said, the mask between bites policy meant that there was always an arbitrary and capricious nature of the enforcement of this. Yes, It was, did the airline attendant happen? And by the way, I know we have airline attendants who listen to us, and they're great patriots, they're awesome people. I'm not talking about you. If you're one of the people who are like, sir, look, would you mind? Because, you know, other passengers might flip out. There were those people, and I experienced that, and I get it. They want to keep their jobs. They don't want, they didn't want complaints about them, right? About the airline attendant not enforcing it. But then there were the people. I mean, I will never forget. I had a, I had a male airline attendant tell me, my mask, look, and he yelled at me, your mask is too thin, sir. Put on a different mask. And I'm looking at this guy. I was like, you are a true moron and a fascist. Do you realize that? I wish I had said that, but they would have kicked me off the plane. Um. Th- this this shows us how stupid it was the whole time, and and I think it's important, Clay, and it should be a bigger news story. And I'm glad that Outkick Outkick.com, I'm yeah. glad that Outkick is doing uh good tra- huge traffic on it because people need to know we need normal now. We, yes. we, we don't need the continuation. This is the ver. This is like the frisking of of Granny from Oklahoma in her wheelchair as a possible suicide bomber risk on the airplane remember that we used to, we saw those videos you know this is the equivalent policy of making you know veterans uh you know stripped down and and have the TSA you know imbecile checking to see if if a you know a veteran's uh, prosthetic is maybe you know maybe smuggling a weapon onto the plane this is crazy and we ha- it was never smart it was never rational it was never reasonable And the Biden administration, this is a really interesting moment, Clay, because what are how are they going to say the science
3: is with them on this? Like, what is the argument even there is? It's a it's a great question. And I don't know how they respond to this. I mean, I understand Biden's overseas right now uh, with NATO, but I hope that there are White House media that will hold him accountable and ask him given the science, you claim that you are the party of science, there's no way. I mean, again, I think this is wildly significant that all 10 CEOs have signed this letter together. And the reason why I think they're doing it together is it makes it harder to argue and pick and pull apart one of them or the other of them. And remember, Buck, uh, we got to give credit. There are uh, a lot of different airline pilots now who have filed a lawsuit uh, arguing that the CDC doesn't have the authority to continue to implement this policy as it pertains to uh, air travel. And also, I think it's significant that the Senate, by a 57 to 40 margin, if I'm not uh, mistaken, which is, Given where we are at 50-50 era where there's almost no bipartisanship, remember Mitt Romney was the only imbecile who voted uh, against the uh, Republican who voted against uh, the mask mandate being lifted. This is pretty significant when you put all that together. And I wish that we could get a case accelerated to the Supreme Court because in the same way that they struck down the vaccine mandate as exceeding the authority of OSHA, I think there is an argument that after two years, the CDC has exceeded their authority to continue to roll this uh, this va- this mask mandate as it's being removed everywhere else.
5: See, I, I, I go back and forth because on the one hand, I I want the pot, the stupid policies to end. Right. I mean, that that is there's an urgency to that. And because and, the, the further we go, to the the end destination here of actual normalcy, the harder it will be for them because they want to right now they're preparing for next fall. And, you know, and we already said they're going to say Florida there's no doubt. doesn't take the virus seriously this summer because they're idiots and they act like no one can remember anything. Uh, I, I, we have to get to total normalcy now so that it makes it harder for the pendulum to swing back to lunacy. Fauci's not done. You know, there, there's going to be this whole effort. And I think that that's why the mask mandate on the planes is is such an important fight for us to have. And I I also think uh, Clay, you know, we're we're seeing more and more people recognize it's it's slow but it is growing. What have, what were we made to do this whole time? I mean, wh- what is wrong with these Democrat politicians and the stupid things that they said? Because you know what I'm hearing oh, well, we learned a lot during the pandemic. A lot of things change. That wasn't their attitude even a few months ago. Oh, you're right. A few months ago, it was, we got it all right. We we knew exactly. You know, Fauci is a genius. Now you're starting to hear, yeah, there were some lessons learned. Oh, yeah, there were. Oh, yeah, there were. So how, how these things end is the point I was trying to make. I want them to end, but I also want them to end because people realize that they never should have happened in the first place.
3: That's important. And also... Don't allow this to be one of those things where you swing back and forth, right? When we end the mask mandate on airplanes, I want to drive it into the ground so that it never comes back. Because the data tells us, just just go ahead and, and, and star this segment of the show. In the summer, the hotter it is, in the South, Florida in particular, other parts of the South, cases go up. July and August is when COVID has typically surged in Florida, in Texas, in Georgia, in Tennessee, all over the South. Because if you remember last year, Buck, right before football season, Fauci was like, oh, there's no way we're going to be able to play football season without cases skyrocketing. And then as the temperature starts to decline and people spend more time outside, guess what happens? COVID dries up in the South and it moves to the North where when it starts to get cold, everybody goes inside. It's so clear what's going to happen and what's happened the past two years is every time this occurs, oh, the reason why this is happening is because Florida doesn't take COVID seriously enough. Ron DeSantis is killing everyone. It may even be more aggressive this year, Buck, because it's an election year and the governorship is up in Florida, so they may even try to sell that crap even harder this year than they have in the past yeah. two years. They'll do everything that they can to make it seem
5: like the best governor when it comes to record fact and reality in America uh, during the pandemic. Ron DeSantis of Florida is the worst He's awful. Everyone died in Florida. Don't you realize? No, it turned out that's not the case. In fact, everyone...
3: We survived the winter of death. Everybody listening to us. Congratulations. Moving to Florida. Nobody's
5: moving to uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco right now after the pandemic, given what they've seen. Anyway, we'll get into more of this, including the New York City change. Kyrie Irving, maybe he's going to drop 60 points in a home game soon, Clay.
3: Oh, that's a a sports reference for you. Well done.
5: My pillow, friends, is a great great company with so many amazing products. I've been sleeping with a MyPillow for years now. I also love their slippers. I've actually got a pair right here with me as I do the radio show. The towel sets are phenomenal, but the Giza Dream sheets, I gotta tell you, These are the best sheets I've ever owned. I have multiple pairs. I just keep switching them out because this is all I want to sleep on. The sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. Ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. They've got a luxurious finish. A lot of color styles and sizes are available. Right now, the Giza Dream sheets are at the lowest price ever offered. Sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code CLAYANDBUCK. All my pillow products come with a 60 day money back guarantee. Go to mypillow.com. Click on radio listener specials to check out this flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. With our promo, you'll also get a copy of Mike Lindell's book free with your purchase. Remember to use code CLAYANDBUCK or call 800-792-3269. That's 800-792-3269.
4: Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
5: Welcome back to the Clay and Buck show. The war in Ukraine rages on and Russia is taking heavy losses. There's also been a 370 foot long troop transport ship that reportedly got hit with an anti-ship missile and uh, no, no word on casualties yet on the Russian side. But this, this war is not like anything we've seen in many decades um, We also have a 100,000 refugees that the Biden administration from Ukraine, that the Biden administration is now saying it will take in a 100,000 refugees from this war into the United States. So in many ways, this war is going to affect us here at home. It already is. What's what's going on here? How's the Biden administration handling it? We've got Bridge Colby now with us, co-founder and principal of the Marathon Initiative, former deputy assistant secretary of defense. For Strategy and Force Development, and author of The Strategy of Denial, American Defense in an Age of Great Power Conflict. Bridge, great to have you back.
6: Great to be with you.
5: What are you seeing right now in terms of the, from a purely military, we'll get into the Biden response, he's over in Europe and all that in a moment, Bridge, but from from a military assessment, you know, order of battle and how this is playing out perspective, how how is this going from the russian perspective how is this going the defense from the ukrainian perspective based on perceptions and 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 troop losses and everything
6: sure i mean i think as you said it's it's you know the biggest war in the european continent since since the second world war and it has turned into something like a slugfest i mean i think a lot of us including myself have been surprised by how the russians not only haven't done as, as well, it would at least seem at this point, although there's a lot, there's reason to be skepticism about some of the war reporting, but they they haven't done as sort of well as we would have expected in the beginning. Part of that seems like probably because my guess is that it's from the top, from Putin. They try to sort of coup de grace, take out, you know, decapitate Zelensky, and the, whole, the, the, the state would fall apart, and they've been surprised, as we all have, I think, by the ferocity and the vigor of the Ukrainians fighting for for hearth and home, fighting for their own country. And that has really led to and now they're kind of devolved into a slugfest, which is sort of the traditional Russian way of war is artillery, clear the place out and just win by by mass and saturation. That's where we seem to be going. That said, the Russians, you know, they have seem to have had, been having difficulty. There may be more difficulties coming out. They have been making some progress, particularly in the South. So I think the jury is sort of still out and we don't see the Russians relenting at this point. So definitely too early for a victory lap.
3: Bridge, uh, appreciate you coming on with us. I was reading NATO estimates of Russian casualties, particularly the dead. Uh, their report is pretty wide ranging in terms of its scope. They say between seven and 15,000 Russian soldiers are dead, around 40,000 or so wounded. How accurate do you think these estimates might be? And what sort of numbers would have to occur for Russian forces due to losses to decide not to continue their advance?
6: Well, I mean, I think it's a pretty big range. It strikes me as plausible. I mean, this is high intensity warfare. I mean, these are extremely lethal munitions that are being employed. And, and, you know, we've seen the Russian forces. We've seen these reports of Russian general officers and senior field grade officers get, get killed. So that it strikes me as in the right order of magnitude. I'd be surprised if it was substantially lower than 7,000. I mean, it's a real, a real, you know, beating on both sides. You know, I, there's a rule of thumb that maybe you know if a combat unit loses a third of its strength, it starts to fall apart. Um, I, I would be surprised to find the Russians just kind of give up and go home. It's possible, but you know the Russians. It appears that they're bringing forces from other theaters even more. They had 190,000 or so, I believe, to start. So you know, if you're if you're talking 50,000 total casualties, you're you're really running up against some significant numbers. So, but it doesn't look like they're giving up giving up yet they're kind of going to their sort of familiar territory of just beating trying to beat ukraine's submission for probably a more partial victory than they they had hoped for at the
5: beginning We're speaking of bridge colby co-founder and principal of the marathon initiative former deputy assistant secretary of defense for strategy bridge what does in your estimation as somebody who has looked at the uh, the assessments analysis that we do at the pentagon on a whole range of issues what do you think putin wants here what is the end state that he thinks is achievable? Because it's, it would be important for us to know this so that we could at least try diplomatically and through negotiation to get to that ceasefire and to the end of the conflict. But what do you think would be what Putin would finally stop the bullets and the bombs for?
6: Well, I, I mean, I think that's the right way to think about it. It's probably variable. I mean, he probably was looking for something much bigger at the beginning and hoping that he could get it. It, and, and, you know, the key is, is that the battlefield's going to determine a lot of this. And my partner, uh, you a know, brilliant strategist and former Trump State Department official, Wes Mitchell, had a piece in Foreign Affairs laying out what this might look like, a kind of what he calls a fortified Ukrainian neutrality, which I think is kind of what what we want Putin to be forced to accept, uh, which is probably a sort of a, a neutrality like Finland or Austria traditionally had. So not NATO membership. Uh, It's almost certainly going to be the case, but a very strong Ukrainian army, not demilitarization, which is probably what Putin wants, because at this point, I bet the Russians are thinking, you know, this is going to be our first bite at the apple, or at least they're hoping. It's very bloody. We didn't do as well as we wanted to. We want to get as much as we can. We're going to lick our wounds and come back at it again in a few years. might be what they're thinking, and we, we don't want that to be an attractive option. We want Ukraine, I think Ukrainians, more importantly, want a strong, you know, sort of uh, you know, hardy, powerful army that, that that Putin's not going to be able to roll over or whoever Putin's successor is. So that's probably the trade space. And I think, you know, we should, you know, the Ukrainians want to fight, so we should encourage and supply them and, and you know, and make them capable of doing that. But also there's going to have to be a political solution, and we should not stand in the way of that. We should help the Ukrainians along that along that path at where we can.
3: Bridge, we're one month in uh, officially right now. How much longer does this go in your mind? If you were setting the range of how much longer the process, as we have seen it for the last month, is likely to continue, what do you make sense?
6: Well, I think there's a couple possibilities. I don't think the intensity of the, the first month can be sustained. I mean, we've seen reports that the Russians are running out of you know key munitions very quickly, and they're even using... Potentially hypersonic munitions, maybe even because they don't have enough of the normal kind. So it's going to take time, even on you know with Russian industry, to to reconstitute, regenerate that. So what we could see is either you know a ceasefire of some kind would be the ideal on favorable terms for the Ukrainians. An alternative though might be a kind of protracted conflict, where you know you might see a lull in the fighting for months or even a year, and then a, and then a resurgence, uh, you know, a more intensified version of what we've seen in eastern Ukraine that would be a, a, a bad outcome wouldn't be the worst outcome but i think that's probably the the space that we're looking at
3: bridge
5: how do you assess the biden administration response to this invasion i mean i feel like it's clear there was a failure in a sense that the invasion even happened we didn't uh, outside right. forces powers weren't able to prevent that but since the invasion has started uh, are they what are they doing right what are they doing wrong in this white house
6: well, look, I think the fundamental thing, it is, and I don't think this is churlish. I think this is important. I mean, this is an epic failure of American policy and Western policy, presumably, and I think it's untoward to be sort of taking victory laps at, at this point. In any respect, there are 3 million refugees, tens of thousands of people are dead. This was not the goal of American policy. It wasn't the goal of American policy under the last administration and not under this administration. This is a big failure. It's the largest war in Europe, and there's a very real chance of very serious escalation. We're not at the end of this path by a long stretch. Since the invasion, I think the administration does deserve credit in some areas. I mean, unlike some of my fellow Republicans, I do think we need to take seriously the fact that, or Democrats too, that you know, Putin has a very large and sophisticated nuclear arsenal. It's larger and more sophisticated than ours. And the only thing standing between us and a Russian nuclear attack is Vladimir Putin's incentive structure. So the administration does deserve credit on that front. They have been, I think, behind the curve, again, before the invasion in supplying things like javelins and other really important military equipment. You know, I'd say the lesson here is not sanctions. It's not allied unity. What's stopping the Russians is Ukrainians fighting. What, you know, the title of my book, Strategy in Denial. This is the lesson, is if you want to stop aggression, you've got to be able to fight for it. It's not sanctions. It's not condemnations by the G7. Putin would be rolling all the way to the western border if that's all he faced, but he's not. He's facing these tough Ukrainians fighting for their country. Not fighting, by the way, for the rules based international order. They're fighting for their country. They're fighting for a kind of popular nationalism. So great on them. And we should supply them. But, you know, I do think the administration could do more, you know, on on supplying and moving quickly. But I also think they have been right not to push too far because, you know, look, the Russians are not Saddam Hussein's Iraq. They're not the Taliban. I mean, these guys can really hurt us. So we've got to be careful to thread that that needle, uh, you know, and and achieve our goals and help the Ukrainians without precipitating, frankly, World War three.
5: Ridge Colby, the strategy of denial. American defense in an age of great power conflict this is his book. Highly recommend it to you, Bridge. Great to have you, my friend. Thanks for joining. Great to be with you. Volatile stock markets and shaky world events are not good for your savings account. Your portfolio not good for mine. Man, it's been rough. If you're focused on the long term value of the dollars that you've saved up, that you've saved for retirement, having a portion of your savings invested in gold is a good thing. It's a smart thing to do. I use the Oxford Gold Group for my gold purchases. They've made it so you can have real gold and silver delivered to your home. It's gold or silver you've purchased. Now you can easily take delivery and hold and store it safely. Same kind of thing can happen with your IRA or 401k. Real gold and silver into your retirement accounts. It's just a good idea. Take action. Remember, gold and silver traditionally hold their value, especially when markets decline or fail. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals. Their prices are the lowest on the market. They'll beat any... Any competitor's price on precious metals like gold. Get gold you can hold or get real gold in your IRA or 401k today. Call the Oxford Gold Group to request your free precious metals investment guide by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keywords gold IRA. Simply dial pound 250 and say the keywords gold IRA. Welcome into the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Third hour of the program. Are the remaining COVID rules just for the peasants? The left thinks so. The Democrats, the Biden regime, the Fauciites. You know, for the little people, right? I mean, not for important people. We've seen that all along. But here in New York, there's a new policy that will allow professional athletes to play again. Which in some ways, this is the right move, but it should be for absolutely everybody. What's going on here? Our friend Joe Borelli, city councilman from the great Staten Island is with us now. Mr. Borelli, always a pleasure. Great guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So first, would you just tell us the, the mayor is announcing today this new rule. What has been the problem for Kyrie Irving of the, uh, of the Brooklyn Nets playing up to this point? What has the policy been and how is it going to change?
7: Right, so the reason we're here even discussing this is because New York City is one of the few places on Earth uh, that still has sector vaccine mandates for all employees, not just, say, city workers uh, or healthcare workers or something that might arguably make sense on some level. The city of New York placed vaccine mandates on all private employers, including uh, the Brooklyn Nets, including the New York Knicks, uh, Mets, and the Yankees, and everything. That put people like Irving at a competitive disadvantage because he couldn't actually play uh, in the Barclays Center against other teams, whereas they could have unvaccinated players who could play without any, any sort of problem whatsoever. Obviously, this made no sense. I'm glad the mayor withdrew this mandate because it was silly from the get-go, but as you correctly pointed out, the right answer is to eliminate the mandate overall or have to never have put it on the first place.
3: Yeah, Joe, I appreciate you coming on. This is Clay, and obviously I come from a sports background, so the absurdity of this, by the way, Kyrie Irving could go watch Duke and Virginia Tech play at the Barclays Center. He could go watch the Knicks and the Nets play. He could sit on the front row as a fan, have a beer, not wear a mask, hang out, but he wasn't able to play in the games. It made no sense. It needed to be rectified, but as you rightly point out, there are a lot of firemen, there are a lot of police officers out there, many of whom are listening to us right now in the New York City area, who are saying, wait a minute, why should the Mets, the Yankees, and star basketball players get a different vaccine mandate requirement than the rest of the public? Is this uh, this difference in treatment, in your opinion, uh, Joe, going to continue to fester and grow, as many people say, why should the rich and famous have a different standard applied to them than the regular working guy and girl out there.
7: Clay, uh, I have spoken to progressive colleagues of mine who have been COVID crazy from the get-go, and this is actually the straw that broke the camel's back where they can't understand why we have two classes of people. Like you pointed out, we fired 1400 people, our teachers, our firefighters, our EMT, the the guy who cuts the grass in the parks for goodness sakes, uh, and we're allowing this system to exist where Fancy people don't have to do it. What about the ushers in the same arena? What about the ticket punchers? What about the hot dog vendors? What about all the regular people that rely on their job in the Barclays Center who aren't fortunate enough to be NBA players? I mean, this is really really a a system of discrimination between people based on their income and their elitism and their status. It's unfair. The mayor should just cut it and uh, and eliminate it for all people and rehire our our employees immediately and even maybe give them some back pay.
5: We're speaking to our friend Joe Borelli, city councilman from Staten Island here in NYC. And uh, Joe, you know, you as somebody who works in and knows New York politics like the back of your hand, I mean, you get to see... You know the inside of the Politburo, shall we say? I mean, you are familiar with the feelings, the sentiments of some very far left legislators, elected officials, etc. Uh, in the in New York and in the tri state area. And I am just wondering, do did any of them? Because you know, you are saying that they finally this broke the camel's back, so to speak. That there are clearly, if you are Kyrie Irving and you are really important, because the Nets apparently may or may not get into the playoffs. Clay, I am seeing, and so they, you know, he's got to win some, got to win some games. If you are really important, you make a lot of money you have a different set of rules fine but Kyrie Irving was able to sit in the stands recently at the Barclays Center for I believe it was a Nets Knicks game but he wasn't able to play and other teams players who were unvaccinated were allowed to be on that floor playing do any of the like libs in this in the city council or or state legislature anywhere that you know do they think that was normal or made any sense i mean that had to be crazy too right
7: no, I mean, if you're looking for logic in the vaccine policy as it was administered to professional athletes, uh, you, you will never find it. You'll never find it on, the, on, on, on conservatives, from from liberals, from anyone or even anyone knowledgeable on public health policy. There was never a, a, a rationale to do this that actually protected people. But look, it goes even deeper than that, uh, why progressives are starting to, 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 to come back around on this. It goes deeper because upper-middle-class people or rich people who work even in finance, uh, in insurance, on Wall Street, things like that, those people, if their companies were happy with them, if they were earning money for their for their stock desk, their trading desk, the companies weren't firing them. They were letting them work from home. It's only the poor people. It's the guy selling hot dogs in Manhattan. It's the guy at, the, at Taco Bell in Midtown. Uh, it's the person who's a doorman. It's the person who's a maid in a hotel. Those are the people that could not just work from home, even if their company was happy for them. And those are the people that are leading us, New York City, to have an unemployment rate that is double the national average. COVID hit everyone. The recovery has not hit everyone. And it's only, not coincidentally, in places like this where we have an extreme private sector vaccine mandate, uh, where we still see uh, the lack of a return of private sector employment.
3: Joe, do you buy in that the reason why the mayor changed this, because he kept saying, I'm not going to change the rule for Kyrie, I'm not going to change the rule for Kyrie, we don't know exactly which uh, Yankees and Mets players were involved, but there's a lot of rumors that many of them were superstars, is because the mayor had uh, received a lot of political contributions, uh, allegedly from some of the ownership group of the Yankees and the Mets, and that given the fact that baseball is played outdoors, he wasn't willing to suffer the slings and arrows of the response over this. Break down why suddenly, after arguing for several weeks since he took over, I'm not going to change the rule for Kyrie. I'm not going to change the rule for Kyrie. It's awful amazing that he suddenly changed the rule just in time for Major League Baseball season to start.
7: I I think it's more about no longer passing the sniff test than than any sort of uh, corruption or anything like that, because in truth... If you think about who supports uh, New York City mayoral candidates, it's actually the municipal labor unions more than anyone else who was bankrolling people like Eric Adams and those are people that actually faced firing and some of their members did get fired. So I think it's more about his public perception of, of looking silly. Uh, it's more about uh, you know having a, the, the continuous reason for the Yankees losing and the Mets losing because Eric Adams wouldn't let so-and-so. And That would have been an right.
3: unbelievable story, by the way, if the if we had seen all those players exactly. not able to play in New York and the re- outrage that it would have ensued.
5: It sounds like they would have practically had to call some fans in and be like, hey, who's <laughs> going to be at third
3: base? And you I don't even know team. how. I honestly don't even know how it would have worked roster wise, depending on how many guys weren't eligible to play. Joe, are you a Yankee or a Mets fan? Which one?
7: I, I thought you were going to ask me to play third base. My gut. no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, but but look, I'm more of a Ranger fan than anything else. And, and and some of the leagues were able to adapt, as you pointed out. But I think when you're talking about a, a depth chart that would have included some major, major, big money players. Nobody wanted to bear the embarrassment of being the reason why the Mets happen to stink this year or the Yankees happen to stink this year.
5: Wait, By the way, Joe, we're speaking to Joe Borelli of the New York City Council. So is there already discussion about getting rid of the, you know, it's hard to keep up. I live here and I've been subjected to it. You know, Clay gets to live in freedom and happiness in Tennessee. I have to deal with the madness in New York, uh, as you do. Are are they going to get rid of the you know, the, the lingering private sector vaccine mandate rules? Like, where does that stand?
7: Well, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm going to leave my office in City Hall, go across the rotunda to the council chamber, uh, and give a speech and ask for support from council members who have told me privately, and I'll call them out if they don't speak publicly, but have told me privately that enough is enough. This is over. The pandemic is over. It has passed us. We should be way new york shouldn't be celebrating any of its mandates because when you look at the data from this city and this state compared to other places we actually were not a leader on covid we did worse than most places who had minimal uh and in some cases extremely minimal mandates in place so we shouldn't be really celebrating our success we should be celebrating the fact that we're over it uh, and we'll see how it goes We'll, we'll see what they say
3: Joe, I want to ask you about the 1400 people you said who lost their jobs, who were, uh, for not, for refusing to get this COVID shot. You said you'd like to see them rehired and, and maybe even get some back pay. I agree with you a hundred percent. What sort of recourse do those employees have? The men and women who aren't making a lot of money. They're not Kyrie Irving. They're not Yankees and Mets superstars. Uh, but they were willing to stand for the courage of their convictions and not be forced to get this COVID shot. What sort of recourse do they have now?
7: Look, unfortunately, the rules get more complicated when you're talking about the employer, in this case, the city and, and, and yep. the, fact of the mayor, uh, making rules for their own employees. There's a lot more leeway for employers to do that to their own people. Um, but when, when, when it becomes a mandate and it becomes arbitrary and capricious, which now there's no rationale to say it wasn't both of those things, they do have recourse. We lost some lawsuits, uh, you know, fighting for these workers for a number of reasons, um, uh, in some cases because the, the unions themselves conceded at the negotiating point, in other cases because, uh, you know, simply the mayor had the power to do that. Now, with this Kyrie Irving, I'm not sure if they fully thought out the legal ramifications that would come if these people are not reinstated.
5: Joe, before we let you go, uh, Clay made me. Filled out my first bracket this year he, he shamed me into bracketology <laughs> Can you believe by the way
3: joe that he's never filled out an ncaa tournament bracket in his life you wouldn't have done well on staten island buck this is, this is uh you know
7: there's a big underground bracket uh, mob going on right now uh, in, the, in the
5: well world. well so far i gotta say my beloved villanova cougars are looking no great. no
3: no you like cougars but they're the wildcats Wow, wow! Yeah, Cougars. Hey, yeah, those are nice too. Wildcats. Wildcats. Cats. I mean, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think I was a Freudian slip. By the way,
5: I love the Wildcats, <laughs> That's the villain over Wildcats. Joe, who do you have to win the whole thing?
3: I, by the way, I, I am so caught
7: up in the St. Peter's fervor because uh, I know, they it's have impressive. been a small college right next to Staten Island. You know, a lot of my friends have gone there over the years. So I can't see much beyond them, uh, and I'm pulling for them 100%. So people listening probably are are supporting them as well. So all I'm going to say is go St. Peter's.
5: Our man Joe Borelli, go check him out. Follow him on Twitter. He does great stuff. He's one of the few sane voices in politics here in New York City, out on Staten Island, which uh, has some great Italian restaurants, by the way. Joe actually took me to one. Mm -hmm. We had a good time. Oh, no, actually I took him because I lost a bet. I lost a bet. This is true. Yeah, that's right.
3: That happened. Joe, thanks so much, man. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to cashing our bet too, Buck. I mean, Clay, I've been doing my research on great, fantastic steakhouses in New York City. I just want you, I just you know want you to get ready for when I order the Chateau Lafitte, and the waiter
5: says, (laughs) "I don't even know what that is." Are you sure? I'm going to say, "Well, Clay is paying, so you know, of course, I'm sure." No problem. Look, guys, it's spring. Lose the long underwear and the winter clothing. Give yourself and your wardrobe the upgrade you need. Courtesy of Tommy John. Without question, Tommy John makes the most comfortable, well-designed underwear and loungewear for guys and women, too. Once you wear Tommy John, you'll know what we mean and why we make such a big deal about this gear. When you're wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better with dozens of comfort innovations. Once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. This brand manufactures a fabric that stretches to fit your body well, but still has a wicking element that keeps your body cool. Every item is designed for comfort and wears well, wash after wash. Once you own it, this is the underwear and lounge where you're going to be wearing day in and day out. Everything else is going to go to the back of the pile or the drawer. I'm telling you, I wear Tommy John every day. I absolutely love this gear. With over 17 million pairs sold, men across America love their Tommy John underwear. And every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash buck. Go to TommyJohn.com slash buck today for 20% off. See site for details.
1: Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films, and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back in. Play Travis, Buck Sexton Show, closing out the Thursday edition of the program. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We certainly have. Want to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can go check out... So many different of our conversations today, including guest Bridge Colby on the situation on the ground in Ukraine. Marsha Blackburn on the Ketanji Brown-Jackson hearing and her super viral question to uh, asking KBJ to define what a woman is. Joe Borelli, Staten Island, New York City Councilman uh, discussing the decision to allow all of the athletes suddenly, even if they're unvaccinated, to be able to play and so what is pretty crazy here is I wanted to finish with a positive story. We got a huge crowd down in Texas. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening in uh, the great state of Texas. In a tornado, viral moment, Buck, a tornado came through and caught a red pickup truck. If you haven't seen this video, it's pretty incredible. Uh, in Austin, Texas area, this uh, this kid's driving a red Chevy pickup truck. The tornado picks up the truck, spins it around, flips it. The kid is spinning around inside uh in the car. And then the tornado flips it back on its wheels and the kid just keeps driving. So if you haven't seen this video, it's unbelievable. I say the kid because until now we didn't know who was driving the red pickup truck in the middle of this viral story. Well, they have tracked him down fox 7 news in austin texas it is a 16 year old high school junior named riley leon he was coming back in an ultimate texas story from an interview to get a job at whataburger uh and you need to hear this kid if this isn't the front piece of the chevy marketing campaign going forward like a rock indeed listen to this
5: seeing the videos i like that was, that was me and then I could have probably not been here, but thank God I am. That's me
3: inside of the truck, spinning around, that I survived that. Everybody yeah. thinks I'm an adult, but in reality, I'm a, I'm a minor. I'm a 16-year-old that still goes to school. Right when I was going to take the U-turn, that's when the tornado caught me and it left up my truck. My truck uh, is got thrown like a paper around. I don't want this to
5: happen to nobody. I wouldn't recommend that at all. And The number one thing I learned was if there's gonna be bad weather, stay home. No matter, no matter what, how important the thing is. First of all, I mean, I'm just glad, glad the kid's okay. It is very self-effacing, you know. Very, very. Uh, seems like a really good guy. I just love though. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't love, recommend dude, the tornado sure picking
3: not. up your truck, spitting you around on your yeah. hood. Here's the other thing, Buck. If that video isn't out. What are the odds that his buddies ever believe him, right? Because if you were, you were in high school and your buddy came in, it's like, hey, man, that tornado is pretty crazy. And one of them said, yeah, you know, I got caught in that. And the truck, my truck got picked up, flipped over, spun around on its hood. Then I got flipped back on the other side and I just kept driving home. No one, no one would believe you. I was like, and sure, the, whatever.
5: The actual video of it. And do we have it up at clayandbuck.com dot com? Because we will if we don't. Um, The actual video. Of, it is up. OK, great. We will shortly. So you can go to clayandbuck.com for the video because what I'm going to tell you is it looks like what they had to use CGI to create yes. in the movie Twister. That's, that's what right. You look at it, and you're like, Oh, where's RIP Bill Paxton? You know, like, where's the, the cast of twist? Cause that's yeah. how I mean, it's as, it's as real as it gets, man. I mean, it, it's crazy, but did, was he, it was he kind of driving a little bit. It looked to me like he wasn't going that fast. Maybe he was wondering like, which direction to go in? Because he wasn't flooring
3: it, right? No, I mean, I, I think he was, I mean, again, according to the kid, he was doing an an interview at Whataburger, which, by the way, I mean, if Whataburger doesn't hire this kid, they should, hot, they should fire whoever the manager of that Whataburger is for just being an imbecile, right? He should get Whataburger for life after that, frankly. Um, yeah, that's dedication. Yeah, I think that what, what happened was, and if you've ever been out in weather, especially if you're a young kid, but anybody who's out in weather and I live in Nashville, so we have tornadoes every now and then you trying to figure out what direction the tornado is coming from can be super difficult, especially because it's such a weird environment when the uh, when the, the, the I think it's the barometric pressure is dropping like that. It's I have stood and watched massive tornado funnel clouds before, and it is, I think, one of the most jaw dropping, scary moments that's out there. And so I think the kid was just found himself in the middle of it, didn't know where to go, wasn't driving very fast. Next thing you know, he's upside down, spinning around.
5: Conceptually, I know this is what he said. Conceptually, do you think a tornado, hurricane, tidal wave, or earthquake Sounds like the scariest. Because to me, I feel like a tornado is the like. It sounds like it's the most terrifying. I've been in
3: three of the four. I haven't ever been in a tidal wave. I've been in fairly decent sized earthquakes at the top of buildings in California when they've been going down in San Diego and in L. A. When the big one hit L. A. or one of the big ones the last couple of years, I was in the top floor of a uh, of a of a uh, hotel. That was scary. Tornado is the scariest. I've been in a hurricane. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I don't work for the Weather Channel. And but I've been in three of those four
5: tornadoes. Is scary. And there was, of course, when you got struck by lightning. When you met Mrs. Travis Clay for the first time.
3: <laughs> wow. I need to pull that. Hopefully, she's listening. It's not even our anniversary. Uh, Use that one later. You've been yeah. Put that well, we the talked bank. about the picture. Met, uh, met 20 years ago, basically. Um, as we were talking about earlier, because we had the photo that uh, that that came out from the first year of law school. Awesome show. Make sure that you go subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars. We will bring you our best on Friday, roll you into the weekend. Voices for sanity in an insane world. We need more of them every day. The Army keeps growing. It's been an awesome time. Keep hanging with us on Clay and Buck.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny.